Grace to you in peace and welcome. You're listening to Second on the Mount, a podcast of sermons from Second Presbyterian Church in beautiful Roanoke, Virginia. My name is Ben Brannan, Associate Pastor for Youth and Young Adults. And each week it is our hope that from the pulpit, God will twist and mold our words to land upon the listener's ears in a meaningful way that will inspire faith, encourage hope, and cultivate love in action. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here with us. Please subscribe and share, and I pray that through our words, you may grow closer to God. Our scripture passage for today comes to us from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, from the 12th chapter, verses 9 through 21. Listen for God's word. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Would you pray with me once more? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we have said and noted many times through various church communications, we begin a new church program year next week. So on September 10th, 
which is next week, we will return to our regular worshiping schedule with worship at 8.45 and 11, with Sunday school for all ages between that, from 9.45 to 10.45. I hope you have had a chance to look through the Christian Education Booklet and see all the faith formation and educational opportunities being offered this year. Last week, we had our Rally Day celebration at the church picnic where we were urged by the Christian Education Committee and reminded by George in his pastor's letter this past week that our programs do not and will not happen without your participation. And so the theme for this year is build it together. Whatever the it may be for you, for your family, and for us as a church, it is up to us as individuals and as a faith family to show up and make it happen. Perhaps as we gather for our first day of Sunday school, which is next week, starting at 945, we might, as classroom communities and as individuals within those communities, think deeply and honestly about what our it is for this year. What do we want to build? Okay, I'll stop right there and get off that soapbox because I'm sure George will preach a phenomenal sermon next week to set a foundation for what we are called to build together. And really, I don't want to steal any of his thunder. But his North Carolina Tar Heels did steal the win last night <laughs> against my South Carolina Gamecocks. So Beamer Ball couldn't handle the Big Mac show last night, apparently. Sorry, I digress. Anyway, as we begin a new program year, we enter into perhaps a new class, maybe even with new teachers, whether at church or at school during the week, there will be new experiences. It is a new beginning. And every year on the first day of Sunday school, our youth go through a practice of creating a class covenant. The class covenant is a guiding document that governs each class's behavior toward one another during the course of the year. It is a document for the entire class, so youth and adults join in, so all are invited to share what they think should go into the covenant. And in our confirmation class, this document is called Rules for the Road. I'm not sure what each class will include in their covenant this year, but some usual suggestions are when someone is talking, others are listening. Respect each other. Share materials. Be fully present. Participate in discussions and ask questions. Be on time, which in reality is the responsibility of whoever drives them to church. Be nice. Help others when you can. Step back and step up. You may not have heard of that last one, but it is one of my favorites. I heard it for the first time at a youth retreat I led back in 2018. Step back and step up. Step back and step up is a reminder for those who usually do the talking to step back, to allow space and the opportunity for others to step up. 
Well, after all the covenant suggestions have been made in our classes, the class then gets to discuss which suggestions or rules are necessary, which ones need to be edited or could be grouped together with similar ones, or which rules need to be removed entirely. And after the class is satisfied with the covenant, each person signs it as a mark of their agreement and commitment. The document then remains visible throughout the year as a reminder of the covenant everyone agreed to and to be used as to correct behavior when necessary. So I say all that to encourage all of our classes next week as we begin our new church program year with Sunday school starting at 945 to go through a similar process as a way to set the framework for the year or to run with our Christian education theme to set a foundation for which we are to build upon through our learning in community. These verses from Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome would be a brilliant start to a classroom covenant. The behaviors and attitudes outlined here act much like the Ten Commandments as foundational values on which all interactions are built within a community of faith. Who could argue with Paul's exhortation to hate what is evil, to persevere in prayer, to welcome newcomers, or to celebrate the joys of others and empathize with those who are grieving? So, if you do not know where to start next week, use these verses. But the difficulty lies when Paul pivots to our relationship with those we find hard to love. Paul moves from extending hospitality to strangers, welcoming the newcomer, to blessing and feeding our enemies. Paul starts off with how we are to be guided by genuine love, genuine love, and goes on to imagine what genuine love could and should look like in the various circles of interaction. As Mary Shore notes in her commentary, there seems to be four general types of interactions. The immediate community, the saints and those in need of hospitality, enemies, and all people. Now, I'm not going to go into detail for each circle of interaction because each could be a sermon in and of itself, but suffice it to say, love that is genuine does not depend on who is on the other side. So starting with genuine love, Paul urges the Christians in Rome to pursue an active, energetic, and optimistic response to all people, to those within the church and to those outside of the church, and even to their enemies. For love to be genuine, Paul says one must abhor evil and hold fast to what is good. That is to pursue justice against the evils of the world and to embrace the goodness found in the world. In other words, push back what is wrong, in order to seek and hopefully find what is good. This can be applied to the systemic evils and the systemic goodness of our world, as well as the evils and goodness within people of the world. 
Yet we must always consider and forever remember the world and all that is in it was created out of the goodness of God. Paul's core values of love and goodness as they pertain to all interactions can be summed up by a phrase used by Dr. Paul Farmer as profiled in Tracy Kidder's book, Mountains Beyond Mountains. Farmer was a physician, an activist, a Harvard professor, and a humanitarian who upon his unexpected death in February of last year was considered a hero, a visionary, and a global health giant. Dr. Farmer traveled the world establishing clinics to address chronic diseases in areas of severe poverty, and through his work, Farmer sought to change the paradigms of public health and human rights on all levels to demonstrate that it is possible to deliver world-class medical care to people in the most resource-poor parts of the globe. And in his book, Kidder explains that Farmer approaches all people with a hermeneutic of generosity. The H of G, as Farmer calls it, is to interpret what others say or intend in a favorable light. H of G allows us to seek to understand what lies beneath what is said or done, giving others the benefit of the doubt, especially when the words and or actions of another offend or seem mean-spirited. And this got me thinking of another covenant suggestion that I heard for the first time at the same youth retreat back in 2018. Assume best intentions. Assuming best intentions or operating through the hermeneutic of generosity, it's a mindset shift of evaluating people's words and actions through love and goodness and honor. Paul's exhortation to honor all people, which includes actions and attitudes like the hospitality extended to the stranger and the care of the enemy, reflects a hermeneutic of generosity to those whom we associate and interact with in all parts of life, inside and outside of the community of faith. Too often, though, we operate out of a hermeneutic of suspicion. That is, our first interpretive stance is to criticize, to question, to push back against words or actions and to not take them at face value. The H of S is to question the preconceptions and prejudices of the author or actor so that the hidden agenda and the hidden intention or meaning of what is said or done can be confronted and critiqued. And through the suspicious questioning, one can uncover the biases of the author or actor as well as our own biases. Both the hermeneutic of suspicion and the hermeneutic of generosity seek truth. The difference comes in the way each of them seeks that truth. You see, we all experience life through the lens of our own reality, which includes our tradition, beliefs, assumptions, reason, and all that influence our lived experience. But suspicion operates out of deconstruction while generosity operates out of reconstruction. Suspicion breaks down while generosity builds up. 
Suspicion moves from to uncover truth. Generosity moves toward to uncover truth. But I would say, as I think the Apostle Paul suggests, we must take this one step further. As a community of faith, a community that claims God is creating something new, a new heaven and a new earth through the love made known in Jesus Christ, we are called to not simply approach people with the hermeneutic of generosity. Rather, knowing that the grace of God is freely given to sinner and saint alike, that while we were all sinners, Christ died for us. We are to approach life with the hermeneutic of grace. The Apostle Paul begins chapter 12 with, Therefore, Paul took 11 chapters to detail for his readers then and now how God has dealt with creation's rebellion and now shifts to what our appropriate response ought to be. Each one of Paul's exhortations found in our passage for today is filtered through the opening verses of chapter 12. Therefore, on the basis of God's mercy, do everything as an act of worship. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, the reconstructing of the mind, so that you may discern the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and just. Because of God's mercy, love ought to be genuine. It is through God's mercy towards us that we then ought to resist evil and embrace goodness. Because of God's mercy, we are called to honor all people, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, and persevere in prayer. Because God's mercy is extended to all of creation, we can help the saint, the stranger, and the sinner Bless and feed our enemies and leave judgment to God. Because of God's mercy, we must overcome evil with good. Because of God's mercy, the hermeneutic of grace by which we interpret the world provides space to see and be seen and to enter each day as an act of worship, responding to God's grace and goodness with our grace and gratitude toward all people. The lens by which we experience the world, the lens by which we interact with people ought to be the lens of the new reality, a reality that reflects the structuring power of grace, the reconstructing power of grace. Dr. Paul Farmer's hermeneutic of generosity seeks to reconstruct by giving people the benefit of the doubt. The Apostle Paul's hermeneutic of grace seeks to reconstruct by giving people the benefit of the undoubting claim that they are a beloved child of God. Perhaps as we enter into a new church year and think about what to include in our classroom covenants as rules of the road, we might include the H of G, the hermeneutic of grace, 
and build a world of love and goodness and honor together. To God be the glory. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.